now is the time to join the DC family. Secure your season ticket membership for the 2020-2021 season today for as little as $100 per seat and lock in all the exclusive benefits of DC 12 Club membership. Visit dc12club.com to learn more. That's dc12club.com. been a minute wizards fans but we're back with another episode of the off the bench podcast presented by the alibaba group zach rosen here with chris Gehring. and before we speak with former wizards center and now nba analyst brendan haywood we want to remind you that you can find us wherever you do your podcast listening whether that be on apple Podcasts, stitcher soundcloud google play amazon uh we're at spotify now too wherever you do listen and you can follow us at wash wizards pn as part of the wizards podcast network uh, Chris, before we get to our podcast with Brendan Haywood, just wanted to, you know, give a, a full transparency to our fans out there that we really don't know what the next calendar year is going to look like. We're waiting to hear from the NBA, just like all of you, and, and we're hoping we'll be back on the court very soon in front of fans. But um, it, it's been an interesting year, to say the least. But uh, here's to hoping that better days are ahead. It's been a it's been a wild. I mean, it's going to be probably come up on a year before all of the craziness kind of settles. But um, it's good to see that that some of our players are together. You know, we've met some seen on some of our, our social uh, accounts that John Wall and and Troy and Thomas are together working out. Um, and we know that that Bradley Beal's rehab is continuing. And that he's trying to just make sure that he's ready to ramp up whenever they need to. Um, it's a it's a really interesting time that nobody really knows what the target date is, and so it's just it's it's staying ready for for really anything. And we we're lucky to have the draft at least to to prepare for. And certainly, I know that for Tommy Shepard and and his group, it's it's exciting to have something that they they know that they'll be able to take one step towards building the roster for next year and and getting one step closer in November. But yeah, beyond that, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting period because obviously free agency is going to be incredibly important for the wizards this year. Um, the goal of the team has, has, is really going to shift whenever next season comes around to being back in, in contention and, and acting accordingly and who you acquire, how you handle the draft, all of that. So we'll get into a lot more of it, but yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get some news and, and be ready to, to, start ramping up to a, to a new basketball season as soon as possible. Even if that date ends up being later, I think just finding out what that, what that timeline, what that calendar is going to look like is, is going to go a long way. It'll be exciting when we get there. And we'll dive into a, a lot of topics with uh, Brennan Haywood, but mainly we're going to talk to him about the draft and our draft coverage is uh, sponsored by Geico. Uh, we'll, We'll talk to him about a lot of the prospects, which we've been highlighting on our digital channels. Um, some interesting names, uh, a lot of uncertainty in this draft, and it's probably going to be the most scrutinized draft ever. I'm sure every GM in the league knows who they like and who they don't like by now. Um, it's been quite a different process, um, but we'll go through some names uh, with Brendan Haywood, kind of look back at some of uh, his favorite moments with the Wizards and much more. So coming up on the other side of the break, Brendan Haywood. All right, we're back here. Zach Rosen with Chris Gehring, joined by former Wizards center and uh, current hoops analyst Brendan Haywood. Brendan, we're so happy to have you on here to have a 
a Wizards alum, but also a guy who just loves talking hoops. Uh, the bubble just wrapped up, and I just want to know, what did it feel like for you to go through this season and, uh, you know, finally see basketball kind of turn the page to next year? Uh, man, listen, it was a very interesting season. Um, I think those guys did a great, uh, great job in the bubble with all the extenuating circumstances and um, got a chance to see some really highly competitive basketball. Uh, I think we got the world got to see some stars that we weren't necessarily thinking that we would see. You know, Devin Booker made made you know announced himself to the public. Uh, then, you, then you also have guys like the Joker, Jamal Murray, uh, like those type of guys really stepped up as well. So I think the bubble, all in all, there was some great basketball played. Obviously, the Lakers won; they were champions, and now we're moving on to uh, to, the, to the next stage, and that's the NBA offseason, which is going to be crazy because there's a lot of questions. You know, we don't. When does free agency start? You know, like, like when is the season going to start next year? We still have a lot of questions because obviously with the pandemic and the country being in the situation it is, we, we don't know. We can't take anything for granted. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we spoke at the beginning of this podcast just saying, like, full transparency. We have no idea what's about to happen. Right. You know, there's things that need to be worked out with the CBA before we can really move to these next steps. But we do know that the draft is tentatively for November 18th. We, we do believe that's going to happen pending something crazy. We can't say it's official, but I think, you know, it allows us to at least talk about the draft. So uh, you were telling us off air, this is just such a bizarre draft class to begin with, right? Right. It's, a, it's, it's definitely a bizarre draft class because you normally have all these high-end guys coming from the Blue Bloods, the Kansas teams like Kansas and Duke and, and those type of schools where – it's a little bit different this year. A lot of the top-end guys, they didn't play at necessarily the big-name schools. Maybe somebody like an Obi Toppin, or you're looking at somebody like a Wiseman that, didn't, that only played a couple of games, and then he decided not to play with the situation with the NCAA. Uh, LaMelo Ball was playing in Australia. So a lot of the top-tier guys didn't get the, the huge platforms that we're used to seeing. So this is a, it's interesting to try to judge a lot of these guys and see where things go. But at the end of the day, I still think there's some names in this draft class that can really help teams out. And Brennan, you, you're, you're a Tar Heel. We, we speak about, about Blue Bloods. And just those, those programs, it's a, it's a holistic approach to basketball. It prepares you. I mean, I, I'm just saying I did not go to a Blue Blood, but nor, nor did I play at one. But it prepares you on and off the floor, right, for that, that professional atmosphere, um, the style of play, the level of play. How, how much did that help you when you entered the league? And how much do you think it helps these guys now as programs have continued to develop, continue to just focus on every aspect of the game, every aspect of the player, um, what kind of an advantage do those big programs tend to give players when they're jumping right into the NBA? Maybe it is only after a year or so. Yeah, I, I can't speak for every program. I can only speak to the programs that I know about. But I know certain programs, whether you're talking about like a Carolina or, or even a Kentucky, the way they go about preparing guys on a day-to-day -day basis is from, is from a professional standpoint. Um, the drills that you do, those are some of the same drills that you're going to see when you get to the league. And um, the, the way you prepare for practice, the time spent, the film watching, all that goes at uh, being forced to sacrifice, being forced to, you know, grow up and develop. That's key as well, because people think it's just basketball, but you're 19 years old and then you do one year and you go into the pros and you're in there with grown men. So you have that developmental process is key. Also, you need a good coach that can say, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do better. These are some personality traits that might not go over well in NBA locker rooms. These are things that, that you can uh, 
that, that you might be able to enhance in your own game or in your own personality. So I think when you go to some of those bigger schools, you definitely get an education on what it is to get ready for the next step. This is undoubtedly going to be the most scrutinized draft because everyone has had such a long time to prepare for it. Do you think that's almost an advantage then for these non-traditional routes that these players have taken for the scouts and the GMs and the front offices to really take a long look at them? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of guys are going to have opportunity to get drafted from, like I said before, from schools that we're not normally used to seeing guys come from. But um, these teams put a lot of money to their scouting departments. Um, they know guys everywhere. If you can hoop, they'll find you. They'll find you. If you, can, if you are a baller and you're playing at Dartmouth, they'll find you. If you're a baller and you're playing at, you know, Florida Atlantic, they will find you. So I know we have a lot more time. So with a lot more time goes a lot more detail and effort. So I think you can really dig into the weeds a lot more. But I think a lot of these franchises do a very good job with their scouting departments. I think one thing people don't talk about enough is enough franchises don't trust the scouting department. I hear so many stories of uh, times where ownership or maybe somebody in the front office overrules all their scouts. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why do you have a scouting department? If, if you pay people to do a job for 365 days out of the year and they say, we should take this guy and you just come out here and say, no, I want this guy. Why are you paying them? You obviously don't trust their opinion. So I think that the scouts do an incredible job and I think they're going to do even better this year. It's going to be up to ownership and management to trust the guys that they put in position and to, to find the elite talent. Who, who are some of – I mean, we know that the, the names that are at the, the traditional top of these big boards, Edwards, Ball, Wiseman, et cetera, who, who a little bit – maybe just a little further down the, the road, the Wizards obviously pick at nine, but who, who impressed you this year in the, in the little sample size that we got from college hoops um, in, in your coverage? Obviously, it's, it's hard without those big moments, those conference yeah. tournaments, the NCAA tournaments. Um, but skill-wise, translating, who, who really stood out to you and impressed you? Skill-wise, later on in the, in the lottery, there weren't a lot of guys that jumped out at me. But for the Wizards, I, you got John Wall, you got Bradley Beal. So they have an elite skill set with those two guys right there. I think they need guys that are going to blend in. So um, I'm not sure if he'll be there, but I like uh, Isaac Okoro from uh, Auburn. Um, he's not the most skilled. He's not. But when you see him play, he has a motor. He plays hard as I don't know what. Um, he defends, and I think they can teach him to shoot the corner three. That is the type of guy that I think will go along well with John Wall and Beal as they continue to make steps. I think that a guy like that fits in very well. Um, I'm, I'm looking more along the defensive end for the Wizards because obviously you guys know the defense. Wizards are one of the worst defensive teams. I, they're one of the worst defensive I love You know I love my Wizards, but they're one of the worst defensive teams I've seen last year. So I'm looking more along the defensive front. Um, I also like Aneka Okongwa uh, from USC. I think he's a rim runner, a guy that can, you know, uh, switch some pick and rolls on the perimeter as well. So I, I'm thinking defensive. I think that's where the Wizards need to go. Find a young defensive athlete, and you can teach him some of the other things. Of course, the, the draft happens before free agency. So defense is, you know, it's no secret. The Wizards want to improve on defense. Tommy Shepard said it. Scott Brooks has said it. How do you evaluate that from their perspective? Uh, you as an analyst, if, you know, if you're in their shoes, you say, all right, how do we prioritize who we get? Do we just go with the best available player in the draft and then we'll figure out the rest later? Or do we go for a certain player 
at, at a position and then fill the holes later because a rookie versus, you know, a veteran coming in or, or even a guy in a second contract, you know, there's a big difference in, in, in competition. I think you go for, when you have your draft board, you go for the guys that are highest on your draft board. If those guys aren't there, then you go for position of, uh, position of need. And so, like, you might, let's just say, like, I don't think it'll happen, right? But let's just say Wiseman slipped down. Well, forget all that. Just take Wiseman. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, I, I understand you guys have a lot of guard, but if LaMelo Ball slides, you take LaMelo Ball. Now, these are things that I don't think will happen, but you have your guys that you're going to take. Forget position of need. We'll make, it, we'll, we'll make it work out because this guy is really, really talented. And then once you get past there, you're looking for scheme fits and skill set fits. And so for the Wizards, I think that it should just be, they should be looking for defensive guys, guys that can play defense. Uh, you'd love to get a three and D guy, but, a, but some of these guys right now that I mentioned defensively, like Okoro, he's not a shooter right now. Maybe he will develop into that same way Trevor Reza did. Early, early in his career, people forget that Trevor Reza couldn't shoot. Then he developed into being, becoming a shooter. So I'm looking for guys right now that are athletic, willing to play defense if I'm Tommy Shepard uh, and Scott Brooks right now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting where where the Wizards sit at nine. They they will hopefully have a couple of options that fit those tools that they that they need. But it's also a situation, like you said, Brendan, where you have leaders and you have stars, all star talents like John and and Brad. If you can find a fit somewhere else, you can maybe move down the board. You can make a trade. You could do something with that pick. I'm just so curious to see. It's obvious that, you know, being at, you, you would always love to be at one and have the whole board in front of you, right. but it, it seems like they'll have some, they, they'll have some room to maneuver and some, and some options to make. And I, I think that that's something that, that Tommy Shepard's really good at doing. He's proven to, to be able to find, find those guys and trust that, like you said, trust that scouting department to find the skills that they want to fit and then, and then make it work. Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to find guys in the draft process. Like you, you guys also brought up finding guys in free agency. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tough concept. Like, hey, do we, do we just draft a guy here or do we try to wait for a free agent? I feel like take the best player available. If all those guys are off the board, then go for the guys of need. And then you'll worry about free agency. You want to fill in guys around that. But, you know, if you can get a really talented player on his rookie deal, that's one of the most valuable things in, in, in sports in general. When you talk about team sports, you get you get a real valuable piece in that lottery area that you don't have to pay for about four or five years. That's valuable. So I, if I'm the Wizards, I'm valuing the draft first and then free agency second. These guys that can fill in the roster, my veterans are going to help me control that locker room, help me mentor the young guys. I, I still think the Wizards are going to need that um, because they have an interesting dynamic. And I also want to see what's going to happen with the Wizards um, – hierarchy um, with their talented players when John Wall comes back combined with uh, Bradley Beal. That's going to be an interesting situation. Last touch on the draft here. Were there any like second rounders that you can think of that were, you know, big impact players uh, on the college level? You know, there's always like those two or three guys, those Malcolm Brogdon's, those Jalen Brunson's that are big time college players. But then, you know, the pros are just like, well, he's 23. You know, he's, he's probably not going to help us. Uh, down the line, maybe, maybe for like five years, but he's not like a ten-year player. There, there's like a lot. Sometimes uh, there's guys like that. I like. Um, I'm not sure if he's gonna be a first-round pick, but I actually like Vernon Carey from Duke. I think there's a chance he falls to the second round um, because he doesn't fit in with what they want today's bigs to be. But I, I think Vernon Carey gives you an option, man. Like he, he's a guy that can. 
uh, get it done in the post. He's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid to do a lot of the dirty, the dirty work. And that's the type of guy you want. His dad played in the NFL, so he got that, got that edge to him. I like guys with a little bit of an edge to him, man. So I, I think maybe a guy like Vernon Carey. Look, look at me showing love to a Duke player. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, it could I had be. to like clean out my ears for a second. Yeah, that's right. That's hard to do. That, that's always hard to do for a lot of us, not not just the Tar Heels for sure. But um, I did want to ask you when you evaluate bigs in in the college game and the NBA. Obviously, there, we talk so much about bigs being able to stretch the floor now. Um, but is there still that room for the for the guy who's just he will get you every rebound. He will run. He will run to the rim relentlessly um, in the league. I, I feel like we've seen in playoff situations, especially when you get down into those one or two moments when you really need somebody to make a play. You need somebody to grab a rebound in a big moment with not much time left. Is there room for that still? I don't want to call it traditional big man, but um, when you evaluate, is that something that you still think has a, has a place in the NBA and a, and a necessity? Yeah, there's still uh, value for big men that don't shoot threes, of course. Uh, there, there's, there's definitely room for guys that can uh, affect the game in the paint. Um, I know everybody wants to be the Golden State Warriors, um, but that doesn't work out for everybody. Look at the Houston Rockets. They try, they fail. You're not the Golden, you're not the Golden State Warriors. Some you need some big guys that are going to give you some rim protection, going to give you offensive rebounding. Uh, they're they're going to they're gonna find a way to uh, deter people when they try to come into the paint. And if those same big guys can switch to pick and roll, and stay with guards for a step or two, those guys are super valuable. Look at somebody like Bam Adebayo. I know Bam can take the three, but that's not where he makes his money. Bam Adebayo was an all-star this year because he sets good screens, he rolls to the basket and finishes above the rim. He's a good rebounder. He's a great defensive player as far as giving you rim protection, and he switches the screen and roll. The new NBA is all about guys that play like Bam Adebayo. I know you love, I know not you, but in general, we all love bigs that can shoot, but if, if, if I had to pick a big right now and say, hey, you can either have the shooting skill or you can be Bam Adebayo, I would take Bam Adebayo every time. We're seeing bigs still flourish in that aspect of it. Also, look at, uh, look, look at the Pacers. Sabonis, Sabonis isn't just lighting it up from three. He's a guy that gets it done inside. There's still a place for guys that can screen hard, roll, finish at the rim, and make plays. You brought up uh... – John and Brad earlier. Obviously, we haven't seen John play in a Wizards uniform for about when he comes back. It'll be over two years. Um, what are your expectations of just watching those guys back together? And then, are there any younger players on the team that you watch mainly in the bubble that you know you feel like can contribute even more next year? The first thing the Wizards have to do, Brad and John have to sit down and talk with Scott Brooks. They all need to understand like how is our offense going to morph now that John is back. Um, where are guys going to get their shots? How are we going to finish games? What type of lineups are we going to use? You know, you know who, who's going to be the man in certain situations? That has to all be out there so they know what's up. No question. I think, I think it'll be so interesting to see. We know that we've watched John. You know, he can do so much with the ball in his hands and, 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 and taking guys on one-on-one -on -one and all of that. But we also know how many guys he's gotten paid with his passing ability. And, I, and I'm, so, I'm so curious to see the growth of guys like Troy Brown, like Thomas Bryant. Speaking of a big that can do a little bit of both in terms like of Thomas scoring Brown. down low. I like yeah, Brown. and it's just I, – I, I'm, I'm so curious to see. I, like, we know he has that relentless motor. And seeing it applied to everywhere in the game, I think it's like – I think it's right there for him. 
and I, I feel like playing with these two guys, do you think it, does that give him more of a freedom to kind of affect the game all over the floor, um, find open shots, whether that's right under the rim when, he, when he's running to it, or maybe using that, that improving outside shot? Well, I think just, just playing with John Wall. If John Wall is 90% of what he used to be, that means John Bryant, I mean, that, that means Thomas Bryant is going to be wide open a lot. Uh, we, we saw the connection between uh, John Wall and Gortat. Imagine what happens when you have Bryant, who from everybody I've talked to in the organization is just an incredible person. And John Wall is going to find this man over and over for dunks, lobs, easy jumpers. If you can get to an open area, John Wall will find you. So I think Thomas Bryant would benefit uh, the most from having John Wall back. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you coming on. Always good to hear from from you and, you know, give that Wizards uh, backdrop of the past and, and how it relates to the future. I think your your knowledge of kind of the franchise from the past decade plus is, is really beneficial. And uh, we hope everything is uh, good with you and your family. You're staying safe and healthy in this uh, crazy time that, just continues to, <laughs> to go on in our lives, never ending. Yeah, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun, man. Thank you. We got to do it again. Let's thanks so much, Brandon. All right. From uh, Zach Rosen and Chris Gehring, Brandon Haywood, thanks for uh, tuning in to Off the Bench.